You can make $70,000 a month. Maybe I'm doing something right if I'm making more money than my teachers. I never grew up thinking like, oh, I want to be in affiliate marketing one day. It's not a kid's dream, right? Trauma can be your superpower, but it can also be your biggest enemy after some time. The biggest lessons in your life are what comes from your visualization, what comes from the journey you take internally, the internal lessons that give you the most value. So many elements of my vision board became a reality, and I made that vision board in like 2019. It's not about achieving things you don't have, but also about keeping the things you have. I figured that I should perhaps trust that the universe has my back. Hey, you want a lot of money. How much are you working? Are you working 24-7? Do you still have time to talk to your mom? Do you even have time to work out? And I see a lot of these gurus, they buy all their cars, all their whatever it is after they drop the course, not before. Anyone that says that ayahuasca DMT or mushrooms hasn't changed their life, hasn't been taking it in a what I term as a controlled environment for the right reason. They haven't been called to it. I'm gonna sit on this chair until I make it. And this was an invisible contract to myself. And we are back with another banger in Dubai on the Frankie Lee podcast. You know what you're listening to, you know. And this man here has done 10 million a year in affiliate marketing revenue the man alex Mikol, welcome to the show mate welcome. thank you very much frank thanks I'm, for having me i'm glad i'm glad we finally uh we glad we finally got down to this man i'm glad we finally getting into the things i think obviously look affiliate marketing comes with a lot of stigma from a lot of people because they don't probably understand it from the top level of how you've worked in it and obviously scaled up and they probably don't understand that you've probably been in this industry since you're about 18 anyway so I want to give people a bit of a context because, um, you know, when you see all these YouTube videos, as you know, people get into the uh, scammy mentality and they think it's the course it's gurus and all that kind of stuff. So I want to really break down your knowledge and, and all the info that you've picked up over the years and, and put it into actionable steps for the for these people. But if we can just go back, obviously you started um, generating your first kind of thing by building Facebook fan pages from when you were like 12 years old. So just give people a bit of an insight into that. Yeah. So I, I fell into affiliate marketing. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And I also fell into fa Facebook fan pages. So I was 12, as you said, big Ronaldo fan, uh, very competitive and therefore sometimes very lonely because my friends didn't really like me back then. So I had a lot of time and I would spend many hours a day at the computer on Facebook because that was the new thing. And then I, I, I discovered that you could create Facebook fan pages. So I was playing like all those video games on, on Facebook. And then I wanted to play something new. And I wanted to discover what this Facebook Facebook pages are about. And and then I just, it asked me like, what do you want to name your Facebook page? And I was like, okay, let's call it Cristiano Ronaldo videos. And then I invited all my friends. I got like 100 likes. And I was like, damn, that's amazing. But then I started researching and there were pages with 100,000 likes. So I was like, why do they have so many more followers than I have? Like, how do they do that? And then I got into that. And then after like four months, I reached thousand followers on my Facebook page. And I was like, you know, like the happiest kid on earth. But still, like, how do I get to a uh, hundred thousand? And my goal, I remember, I just told myself, I want to have the biggest Ronaldo fan page out there. And long story short, I think I reached a hundred thousand followers after maybe eight months. It's a bit blurred because it's like so many years ago but then it got stolen repeated the same process it got stolen again um, I was able to grow these Facebook pages over time faster because I had a good connection of other fan page owners so we would do share for share or do like content stuff so like sorry content locking stuff so to unlock a news for example you have to like you have to press on a like button which was my own Facebook page for example so other pages would promote that link 
and then they would just end up the followers would end up liking a page sometimes without even knowing so i found some tricks but then at some point i just figured out that the suggest recommend recommended pages uh the feature came up and i found out how i could place my pages on top of everyone else so if you liked uh, an official fan page of cristiano ronaldo real madrid or any football player my pages would be recommended right after so i started i remember one day i woke up with 50,000 followers new followers the day after again and i remember like in seven days on one page i grew a million followers and then the reach was crazy like i was reaching like 25 million people on one single page and i started getting money offers and it didn't make sense at first but then after some like rather quickly understood like okay if I knew that advertising in TV costs millions of dollars. Why is that? Because they reach millions of people. So it makes sense that someone wants to pay me a thousand bucks to post something on a page that reaches millions of people, right? So common sense, like little steps, bum, 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 bum. And then I was like, okay, I accept the money. And then I started selling pages, like building new pages from scratch, selling them. So theme pages, like PlayStation 4 would come out, create a uh, page around PlayStation 4, sell it, keep some of the money, buy the actual PlayStation 4, and then move on. I mean, as a 15-year-old, what do you want to do? But before I knew it, I got hired by the biggest uh, sports media company, I would say in East Europe by now. They grew a lot. I met the owner in Mykonos this summer. It was like a cool moment because, I, I don't know, it was like a full circle moment. Like I started when I was like 15 and almost no money to my name. And now like we both went our ways. We both had our successes and... He sold his company for like a hundred million dollars, like something like that, some crazy nice. amount. Yeah. So his company is like Sportel Media Group, and they hired me back then to like manager Facebook fan pages, including official fan pages such as uh, the one of uh, Dmitry Berbatov. So it was like, oh my god, this is a base because he's Bulgarian, yeah. and uh, and I flew there, met them, but I realized that after you know working with them for like a couple months, that that was my thing because I had a boss, I had someone to. Uh, to report to, yeah. Yes, exactly, and I couldn't. But that wasn't that. That that's that's not really a problem. But the the main problem was I couldn't execute what I had in mind. So then money was good because you know I was making like two, three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars a month. Uh, if I sold a big page even more on that specific month, and I was still going to high school and all of that. So then at some point I was like, you know what? I want to focus on what I have fear because obviously I'm doing something right even though my teacher says that I suck at school or whatever, but I'm not that, though. I'm not a loser. You know, I understand that maybe I'm doing something right if I'm making more money than my teachers. So I quit this job, read all those books that everyone reads. Which, which, are, which are, which books? Uh, like uh, Napoleon Hill, Going into Visualization, Thinking or Rich, exactly. Uh, uh, rich Dad, Poor Dad. I even went to a seminar of Jordan Belfort because that was the time when The Wolf of Wall Street was booming. And also, that's the first time that I heard someone saying that you could do $70,000 a month. You know that scene? I make $70,000 a month. Really? Uh, well, 72, something like that. <laughs> so it was like, I woke up once to the radio, and the radio was promoting the movie with that particular scene, and I woke up 6.30 in the morning. You can make $70,000 a month? Holy crap, that's amazing. What would I do? And then I started visualizing all of that. I'm big into visualization. We can speak about it as well and then I just went back to it I bought new Facebook pages this time investing my own money buying American fan pages and then sending traffic to affiliate sites which would pay me let's say for a thousand visitors ten dollars 
And then I didn't know if it was going to work. So I remember paying a page like 300 bucks for $100,000, sorry, 100,000 followers. And those $300, I started making them back every single day. Because the, the page was super cheap. Like I bought it from a guy. I didn't even, I didn't even know that it had that much potential. So then I started making like this amount of money. I was 17, last year of school, was working all summer to figure things out. And I didn't want to go to school, but because I was making all this money and I wanted to focus on it. So my schedule was crazy. Like I would work from, I don't know, I would finish school at four, be home by 5 p.m., work until 1 or 2 a.m., maybe hit a joint because back then I was smoking weed and that would help me fall asleep, wake up at six, work for an hour and go back to school. But I was making five, ten, sometimes even $15,000 in a month. That was like the peak month. So by the end of the school, I had like $50,000 to my name. And, uh, and I understood that I wanted to continue that. And the natural step of sending clicks to a website is why would the website pay you? Because those websites have ads. And why do people invest in ads? Because they're selling products. So I was like, if I want to go to the next step, I probably need to climb this ladder. And that's where I found out about affiliate marketing. It's a, cra- it's a crazy journey to think that you've, you've done this by natural curiosity. And I want people to really understand what you've just said there from a natural curiosity point of view. It's like, because you pursued it through natural curiosity, it's you enjoyed the whole process. I think a lot of people these days are focused on just how do I make money rather than not enjoying the process. You can tell when you speak about this that you've been through a process that you've thoroughly enjoyed every step of the way. And there's been lots of penny dropped moments that have just kind of, you know, on the way led you down another path, led you down another path, led you down another path. When you finally come to this conclusion that affiliate marketing is now the play for you, what kind of steps from there did you use to to pivot into it so that you could make money and kind of leverage your time that way? I had no idea what I was getting into because it was the first time that I had to invest in ads. And that comes with a lot of technical aspects to it as well. Now it's much easier. Back then there wasn't such thing as a Facebook pixel. So how do you track sales? So that was like a complicated thing at first because no one was teaching me. I had a friend, so we would exchange um, informations, but, and I wouldn't buy off Facebook. I would buy off like other traffic sources like pop ads or uh, freaking porn sites, like anything back then, just to get the ball rolling. And yeah, so that, that was like weird experience as well because I, I didn't have any discipline. I, I didn't have the school part that would kind of keep me busy. So I had 24 hours to uh, available and I had to learn how to manage myself. And then after a few months of losses, I lost a few thousand dollars. Fortunately, I had enough money to invest it on and I started cracking something. I started making like $100 a day. Uh, in profit, which was amazing. It's like, it's the first time I do $100 a day, not with Facebook fan pages, but it's a new thing. And I didn't have time to continue the Facebook pages, so that was almost dead. So I just just dedicated 100% of my time to this affiliate marketing thing, buying at, by the way, affiliate marketing is the process that you're selling third-party products and you don't own them, you don't even see them, you just need to make sure that they're good and your only responsibility to make ads and the way you drive traffic that's up to you so people think that you need like uh, a fan base or something like a big audience to make it work that's true 
if you want to go for organic traffic, like my Facebook pages approach. But I discovered that by investing in ads, there's way more scale. And that's like unlimited scale, actually, because you can reach the entire world if you want. And you don't need, you don't need anything but some initial capital to actually make that work. When you say initial capital, how much initial capital are we talking about? I recommend people that are, because now I'm like public about affiliate marketing and I want to teach people how to do that as well because I'm biased. It changed my life and it changed my friend's life. So I wish the same to everyone. But I always say like, I think if you spend like, if you have under $200 that you can invest in a week and you can like, um, and the money goes to Facebook, it doesn't go to anyone. It shouldn't go to any big guru. It shouldn't go to anyone else, but actual ad platforms sign up at affiliate networks and then promote their products that, that, that they have. Um, if you know what you're doing, even if you spend $100, you're likely going to make some money back. So it's like maybe at first you will see, see zero sales. But I've seen people, including myself, making sales almost right away. So you spend $200 and maybe you make $50 back, $100 back. So your loss is not 200 it's less. So the way I see affiliate marketing and the way you described it there is I see, look, you invest two or $300 in ads. Even if you make $100, the $200 you've, you've supposedly lost, you haven't lost because you've invested that in your own personal growth as into your learning, which is probably the week after you're not going to lose $200. So what essentially with affiliate marketing allows you to do is it allows you to learn how to become really proficient at learning ads while minimizing your downside risk. Yeah, because you acquire data. As you said, you you learn how to make better ads each time. I just want to make it clear what's happening with the money so there's yeah. no confusion. There is an actual initial loss. But yes, if you're giving up, it's lost. If you continue doing it, you're just getting better at it, like with everything else. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good that you've, you've said that there's an initial loss. And one thing you mentioned there is like there's a lot of fake gurus at the moment. There's a lot of gurus out there on YouTube that are trying to sell you a course on copyright and trying to sell you a course on on e-com trying to sell you a course on every everything as you, as you know why did you mention the term fake guru i mean it's something you must have a feeling towards as well like what what's what's your feeling on these gurus it's interesting cuz i became a guru myself but in the industry so we are all the field marketers all the solid fucking good marketers i know they are like legit people like they they focus on the business they don't have time to go out they don't even care about going out and speaking about certain things how how this business works so this term fake guru it's all almost a, like it's always been a joke in the industry yeah because when you go to the conference uh, especially like i don't know the affiliate work conference where a lot of good marketers go not only affiliates brand owners go like they're big brands showing up because they understand the value of working with extremely good media buyers People that are good at finding customers online with their own money, which is a big difference with all the SMMA game, whatever. Like, I feel it's risk your own money to make the company more money. Yeah. So that's, uh, like, for example, one of the big companies that we know is, um, I don't know, Mindvalley is using affiliates. Or there, there are many different companies that are really understanding the business. Anyways, so we would see that some external guy would have a, some success would come to the field world to take some pictures and then promote that he had success in, in this space, but all he did was maybe one successful campaign and maybe made some profits, maybe not, but he has those screenshots, maybe even fake sometimes, and immediately makes a course out of it. And then when you get to speak to these guys, you can tell by how they act 
that there's just it's just pure show because their main business is not affiliate. Their main business is saying that they made affiliate marketing work or saying they made e-commerce or dropshipping work, whatever it is. So I never liked gurus because I think you it, it, it comes with a moral responsibility if you decide to go in the space because people believe you and your job is to make people believe if you want to sell your course, whatever it is. So you need to be absolutely legit. Like I was, maybe I'm like too, too, how do you say, strict with it. And that's why I never felt like I could even speak about the subject publicly because I needed to prove myself that I know what I'm talking about because these other guys don't. And I confronted a few gurus when they would come to the show or, you know, like, why are you doing this? Why do you lie about these numbers? It's obviously a lie. Like you, I talking to you, understand that you have no idea what you're talking about. Well, very I, little. Well, I was talking to you before the podcast about a year when you did 30 million in revenue and you said to me that only 20% of that was profit, you know, because you're, you're openly honest about that kind of, those kind of numbers. Whereas I think a lot of the people that you're talking about, they're not honest about those numbers. They tell people that their turnover is their, is their profit margin kind of thing. Exactly. And I also told you that those $30 million, that was the revenue generated for the partners that we work with. Yeah, yeah. That's in commissions paid to us, I have to check, but it was like between 20 and $2 million, something like that, which is still amazing, but it's not 30. So for me, it's like always important to be like to be very specific. You open the video saying uh, that I make $10 million a year because that's this year. And I and, and we talked about it. I didn't want to say 30 million as if it's every single year. It was my best year. So... You know, I wanna. Yeah, your, but your best year, you did thirty million in revenue. This this year, you're on track to go way past ten, probably fifteen. Uh, and and this is what people need to understand is like affiliate marketing. Depending on the offer that you're running, and dependent on you know the variables, how much commission is going to you, what you've got to pay, and what you've got to run in ads. That that's dependent on what your profit margin is on. You know how much you get. You know what I'm saying? So, I think there's a lot of why do you think there's so much smoke and mirrors in this space essentially? Because it's profitable, unfortunately. A lot of people make a lot of money selling courses, even though they don't have much knowledge around the topic that they're teaching. But it can still be valuable to some people because it's an eye-opener. So even if that's a good, it, it's it's a double-edged sword. So it's right. not like it's just bad it's in, in, or just good. It's like yin and yang. So there are good sides to it and there are bad sides of it. Uh, but I think as if you go out there lying to people, Yes, it could bring good waves. I'm not there to judge. Maybe they need the money. Maybe they're still doing good. They bring people together and then, you know, good things happen. So it's not bad. Like, it's not entirely bad. Let's put it that way. But I think you still have more responsibility in um, being honest. Like, I think, like, if you um, deceive people in order to profit from them, I think that's borderline close to evil. And But if you're still helping them, that's good. That's why I say borderline. It's not. It's not really evil, but I think you shouldn't. You shouldn't like. I think honesty is, is like people deserve honesty, so they have realistic ex- expectations. And I see a lot of these gurus. They buy all their cars, all their whatever it is after they drop the course, not before. So that's yeah. like. Uh, and and the and the and the car in the ad is a rented car. The 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 apartments and rented car. The watch is probably on finance and like. There's very stigma to this. I was actually speaking to a friend of mine who's got who's got legitimate business and makes money outside of selling courses. But he got 
kind of he me, me and him were speaking about this the other day he got kind of um, not duped he went in with his eyes open but he was generally trying to help people and he sold 300 courses and profitability after he'd run ads and done all the stuff because he's got genuine he's got genuine scope in the space that he released a course he, he he had these 300 students and when he looked at the analytics of of like how many of these people actually finished the course like you're talking only 10 percent. So, yeah, so. so 30 30 people out of his group of 300 are out there in the marketplace making the kind of numbers that he predicted they would make. Now he's got 270 people that he has to like, he stopped selling the course because he didn't want to damage his reputation predicated on like he's a genuine businessman going out there and doing it. But what he realized was as soon as you put your name to a course, as a, it, it, you know, you one, you've taken your eyes off your main thing that you should be earning money with and, and practicing in the real world. And two, it has a chance to damage your reputation because you can't, Mm-hmm. You can't give 300 people in the group all the same results because it's predicated on how much they want to do it, whether they're going to even finish the course, whether they're going to even finish the videos. So, so, so as soon as you go into course selling, it's like you become, you put yourself Vulnerable. in this pressure cusher. Yeah. Whereas when you're just affiliate marketing and just doing it, you don't have that. You don't have that. Yeah. So it's like, why would, why, why, why do you want to educate the world? Like, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to put yourself in that position? Because I feel like I played every level in the affiliate marketing game as I know it. And I think this could be an exciting new chapter as well. And it's a good business as well. So I always wanted to make content. So what's a product that I can build that is useful to people that is good that can finance all this content production? Because I invest a lot of money in my content and probably without probably I'm at a loss with all the content that I put out you're trips. speaking to the you're speaking to the king of losses on content I've lost money for four years yeah. every week bro like every week but but I but I play it to a bigger game I'll, I'll give the audience a bit of an insight I built a course I've, I've built a course on, mm-hmm. on, on something that I'm highly skilled at which is content removal I built a course in 2017-18 mm-hmm. I've still got the course there on the rack the course would help out thousands of people but it would also have thousands of other people buying the course not implementing what I say and also leaving me with a bad reputation potentially on the back of them not doing what I tell them to do Yeah. so that's why I've never put it out there so yeah. so like it, it's it's just like because I, I, f- I feel like as soon as you step into that game you've, you've, you've just you risk every you, you're putting your house out there yeah but that's why I want to do it in a way that I feel comfortable with I don't have to push my course hard to make a living so I I do what I want yeah. and I do what I feel it's right I don't need it yeah, I can disappear. The, that's the key, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yes, that is the key because if you're if you need money, you will do everything you need to have money, and that's exactly what I did with affiliate marketing. So I just hyper focused on it because I knew it, was, it could blow up, and it did. And after I achieved that level of comfort, you know, when the level of comfort where you don't have to check up um, when you go out and eat and you get food, you don't check the bill, that type of comfort that you know rent is covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can travel, that you can help mom out, dad out, that type of comfort. What's a, what's a realistic number, like really bare bones realistic, that you think someone with no experience now could go to in affiliate marketing inside six to 12 months of being an actual practitioner of doing, uh, of taking action on whether it's YouTube videos, tutorials, courses, whatever. But if they actually fully all went in on affiliate marketing, what realistic number could you say that someone could be doing per month? It's subjective, but... There are people that after months they did nothing. I don't know how much effort they put in. There, there's well, not a lot, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, for me, it's very hard to 
believe that if you work a year on something, especially if you're at marketing where anything could blow up the day after, you're not going to be able to make a living out of it. Like for me, that's absolutely insane. So, 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 so ten thousand dollars a month would you say is a take? It is possible. I have, I, I know, I know a guy. Well, he he had some experience. He didn't make much money with it, but he had some experience with like TikTok viral videos and promoting dropshipping stores. And he joined in February, and after a month or so, I met him because he was here in Dubai. He showed me his ad account. He was making two hundred dollars profit a day. I was like, that's six grand a month. I was like. That's very impressive, but show me the ad account. He shows me, and I gave him a few pointers. I was like, why are you not spending more money? You know, because if you spend, let's say, $500 and you make $200 back, um, if there is, it's a subjective case, but if you see like that it's pretty stable and you try and you, you, you could try to go up and not spend. So I told him, I think, giving all what you showed me, it's safe to say you could double the budget. Started making $400. After three days, he made his first $1,000 a day in profit. And now I think last month he did. He told me we met at the Halloween. Were you here for Halloween? Halloween? No, I wasn't here then. So I met. There was this crazy Halloween party in Dubai, which uh, I don't know. A lot of people went, and I met him there, and he told me he made two hundred ninety thousand dollars profit in one month, and he started launching ads in January. That's like a great. So, so that's a great. So that's a great case. So let's let's give him some free. Let's give him some free game on this podcast so people can actually take use this in action. Because I like to make my podcast actionable, as you know, yeah. and give people the real source. So rather than people going and buying a course now, rather than going and watching some random on YouTube that says he does affiliate marketing and not, let's talk to the guy that actually has done affiliate marketing and scaled it. What is the fastest way? So do people go and get a, an offer from ClickBank now and start running it with Facebook ads? What's an actual way for someone to get to their first $100, 200 a day now? What's the fastest way that you know? Yeah, um, you mentioned ClickBank. There are many other affiliate networks. I would recommend people starting with gadgets, selling gadgets, because ClickBank has a lot of like supplement health-related products. And when, when you want to promote those products on Facebook ads, there is a, there are a lot of more policies for the health uh, products yeah. exactly because you know it's very delicate. But gadgets, on the other hand, glasses, um, gadgets for your computer, for your phone, whatever it is, it's way more easy. It's it's stable. Like you don't need. It's hard to fuck up and make uh, deceiving promises like lose ten pounds in a week by taking this pill. You cannot do that on a gadget. So take those. Work. Uh, find networks that have gadgets. Uh, focus on probably products that have like a range of like a commission between 20 and 40 dollars why is that because it's easier to generate sales if the product costs less mm-hmm. so let's say you're you're spending if you're selling a product that costs 10 dollars cost the consumer it's easier to get a sale for that product rather than a product that costs 300 dollars because it would be more, would be more way more expensive and you need a higher intent to get someone to buy a product for 300 dollars so for a beginner, it's, you need more capital because if you spe- if you sell a product that costs thirty dollars to a customer consumer and your commission is let's say fifteen bucks, twenty bucks, which is possible, then you can spend let's say a hundred dollars and you spend almost ten times your commission on ads. So that gives you a good metric to know if that product and your ads are actually going to work or not. But if you spend hundred dollars for a product that costs three hundred dollars. Even if you don't make a sale, that's absolutely normal. You probably need more money than that. Also, it takes time to optimize things. So focus on this. 
create your ads account, I recommend Facebook because a lot of I talk a lot about YouTube ads, uh, but YouTube is more expensive. YouTube takes more time to actually optimize and understand who your ideal customer is. Well, Facebook is cheaper for the initial. Uh, so for a beginner, Facebook is a no-brainer. Uh, don't start with if you sign up at an affiliate network and the affiliate network gives you a, a URL that everyone uses, likely, don't go for that because you're going to get banned. It's very easy. Because if another affiliate did some mistakes with the same domain, let's say yourproduct.com, and he got banned because bans are a big thing with Facebook ads, then you're likely going to get banned as well. So try to work with networks that allow you to have your own custom domain so you eliminate the first hurdle. Yeah. Yes. And start spending under $200 a day and make at least four different ads. Ideally, uh, work with products that have existing video materials so you don't have to shoot everything yourself. But even if you did, it's not a problem. I use my phone to shoot ads. Like I make my hooks and some parts of the videos just with this device, which everyone has. So that's very easy. And um, and once you start like uh, understanding, like you can you can go first. You can go spy on ads. Like there's the Facebook ad library is completely public. You can check that out. There are other tools like AdSpy or Vital. I know the owner of Vital is a good guy. And you can see like what the top performing ads look like. So you can go there, check what they're doing, what they're up to, and what the big players are doing, and learn from them. And try to replicate a few of these ads by making and editing your own videos. You don't need to be a video editor. I use iMovie for the most of my ads. Like it's and the complicated stuff. I just now I hire people to do that. But how important is it that you get people on your email list um, from when you send them from the Facebook ad to the product? Are you trying to get them on the email list and do that? No? No. I just straight sale. Let's go straight sale. So you have an ad, video ad about, I don't know, this kitchen gadget, whatever it is. Click on the bottom, straight on the product page. Mm. Buy or not. See, so, so, so why, I was speaking to an affiliate marketer called Luke McGuire way back when I first started the podcast. He's one of the top affiliate marketers in, in Australia. And he was saying at that time, which is we're now, what, 2020, it was in 2020 at the time, he was saying in 2020 that he wants to capture all the data to build his email list. And then, if, and then if he doesn't if he doesn't get the sale on the back end, he's still acquired the, acquired the email so he can market all his other products and retarget them with his other stuff. That's right. So, yeah. so, so there's two ways. But what, you, but what you're essentially saying, Alex, is that by removing that step, you just remove the opportunity of not losing the sale potentially. Well, putting a pre-lander, like an, an, an inter, like a step in between, yeah. creates friction. Yeah. So that could cause your cost of acquisition go up or yeah. down. Yeah. But if you find a if you find a balance between keeping a good cost per sale low and capturing the email, God bless you. So I don't really do that. I tried a few things, but I'm also pretty laid back. Like I don't. Like I have a few brands that I work with now and I know many affiliates they find a product and they just scale it. It's it, it's good to build assets. But yeah, I mean, I think it costs too much. Like you create too much friction and you don't want it. You want to sell. Yeah. So maybe you can find an agreement with the brand that you're working with or, or the network to work with those emails perhaps. Or you can simply pay to get some email lists. If yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm not the right guy when it comes down to email marketing. Like, it's not my main thing. I don't do my yeah, you, revenues you, you, with... You, you're a specific guy 
that has driven all of his revenue from driving traffic from A traffic source to B product page. And that's how you've driven all your revenue. You've yeah. kept it super simple. There's no steps in between. You're not trying to capture any data other than the pixel data. And you've kept it super simple. That way, you've just become really proficient at picking, selecting the product and pick it and picking the traffic source and then driving them to that traffic page. And making videos. And yeah. making videos. Yeah. So let's let, let, let's dive into that a little bit more because I really want to give them as much source as possible within this that's actionable that they can take away. When I'm When I go into these networks that have all these different products, what are the key things that I'm... So obviously I've gone to the gadget section now because I'm looking at gadgets. As a beginner, because, yeah. because Because this is, as a beginner, this is where we're going to go. I'm a beginner too because I've never affiliate marketed at your level. So I'm just thinking about what they would do. They've gone to the gadget section. They're looking at that. What are the key metrics I'm looking for on the pages of all these listed gadgets to make... Am I looking for number at the number of affiliates selling the product? Um, oh, or what, what yeah, that's a good... Like, uh, I like to have conversations with the so-called affiliate managers. And not every network has them. For example, ClickBank, as a, as far as I know, they don't really have that unless you get to certain levels. But but anyways, so like I ask, I, I like to know what the top performing products are. Maybe they have these networks send them out in a newsletter that can be interesting. And I want to find uh, products that have a combination of three things. Uh, the brand quality. So I want to be sure that the brand has good ratings, that the, thank you, that the, that the product works. Um, that they have perhaps good endorsements because a lot of good brands start endorsing more celebrities and whatnot. So if they have any of that, that's amazing. So that's the first thing I want to check out. Second thing is the video material. So if they have existing video materials so that I if I want to, I don't know if the products are going to work for me. So I want to minimize the initial work to try to find out if that product is even, is even worth working on. So if I have a good base, even raw footage that I can use to build a 60 second video ad or three minute video ad, whatever it is for a gadget, which is enough. Like my ads are way longer, but that's for supplements. Um, then I can like easily start testing ads. The third thing is the commission. So I always look for a good ratio of between the commission and the cost to consumer. So the example is if you sell up, if your commission is $50 and the cost to consumer is $60, that's amazing. That means that if you generate a sale starting $60, the starting price point is $60, you're going to get paid $50. You might be wondering, how is that even sustainable for a business? Why would they pay you $50 out of $60? But that's exactly the beauty of affiliate marketing because you work with companies that understand that they're not making perhaps profit on the first sale. They're just getting a customer almost for free because they have initial AUVs, average order values, that they're going to cover up the initial user acquisition. And maybe they're going to make some profit. But after that, they're going to have all the emails, contact details, and they can start cross-sell, up-sell, down-sell, anything they want. And that's where these brands make the money. So they wanna, these brands want to be as competitive as possible on the marketing side by paying affiliate marketing top dollars so that they can acquire as many customers as possible and keep the affiliates happy. So that's the game. So that's why it's important to have a good ratio. A bad ratio would be you sell a product for $100, you get paid $20. That's the majority of affiliate programs out there. Oh, we're going to pay you 10% refer referral commission or 20%. or Even 30% can be very low. I get paid 70%, 80%, sometimes even higher. Like if you work with, I don't know, SaaS companies, so, um, software as a service, 
they can pay even more. Maybe it costs, I don't know, $10 monthly, but they pay you $30, $40, whatever it is. They pay you the first three months because they know that the, the retention. they've calculated that the, the average customer may retain on their platform for 18 months. So they know they can, they can spend up to $180 to acquire that customer. So right. they've got their numbers straight at the back end. Then they can offer the affiliate more on the front end. Correct. Let's go. Let's go even deeper. How can businesses now? Because there's a lot of business people that listen to this podcast. A lot of people that out there that that haven't got affiliates as part of their strategy for scaling their brands. How can um, can you give me some examples of some businesses that could implement affiliate marketing and how they could do it? There are so many niches. So I started working with health insurances. I work with supplement brands. I used to work with financial newsletters, like I don't know, groups of people that share. Uh, informations about I don't know stocks whatever um, you can sell gadgets you can sell literally anything you can even promote I don't know uh, their solar panel campaigns lead generation is a super big vertical in affiliate marketing which has all those separate categories solar depth uh, there some people do casino um, now it's the season because it's end of the year it's season of ACA and Medicare in the US, which is big ACA's Affordable Care Act, essentially like a government-baked program that gives insurances to people so people can apply. And there's big money involved because the government and the insurance companies want to reacquire the same customers and they're ready to pay you, I don't know, $60, $50 to get someone on the phone that is interested and pre-qualified to actually get the insurance or the subsidies, whatever they're... I've, I've got a friend in Australia that I've never had them on the podcast, but he makes uh, tens of millions a year. And all he does is he front faces pet insurance. So basically he has a website. It, it looks like another insurance website that you go to. He runs ads to it and he acquires pet insurance customers and the, and the pet insurance is fulfilled and quoted on the back end by, by the main insurance company. And there's so many insurance companies that are not insurance companies. It's just affiliate marketing. Yeah, basically. they're just a front end. They front end. think it's them. Yeah, but they're just redirecting the leads to the highest bid to the higher bidder to the high, to highest bidder yeah. to the highest bidder with the with the cheapest insurance um, premiums. I mean, some of the biggest affiliate marketing plays are things like CompareTheMarket.com and Confuse.com and and Skyscanner and all this. It's all affiliate marketing, isn't it? Because essentially, they're 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 they're, they're sitting there as the overarching um, flight scanning all the mm-hmm. flights and then they get paid a commission every time they send one to Emirates, send one to British Airways. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's that's yes. affiliate marketing at scale, yes, right? Yes, exactly. It's like so so I think there's room. There's I think once people understand what affiliate marketing is and how every day in their life they're seeing it at scale and mm-hmm. it can't be scammy anymore because it has to be legitimate because no, it is legit, yeah, yeah. But but it's because of people in the space that I don't know were promoting courses like five years ago or, you know, a lot of, there was even like um, a problem, like a lot of a problem, but when Facebook, uh, Cambridge Analytica, the scandal happened in 2017, uh, I actually met Alexander Nix at one of the conferences and uh, it made rumors that field marketing was associated to the CEO of Cambridge Analytica, for example. One of the, for me, before I knew what he was actually doing in the back end, he was like a fucking hero because he was like, the man, he was doing these behavioral targetings on Facebook. So to target people that want to save money yeah, because on Facebook you can target demographics, interests, but not behaviors. So that was interesting. So back then I was like, oh, wow, this guy's a genius. He's the G. 
But then I saw videos of how he was like mistreating, um, misusing this weapon called marketing to deceive people, and that was disgusting. But that would, that's one thing that also impacted a bit of his marketing. Or I don't know. Again, gurus that um, promise the world that you can make money right away when you don't, and they they're not very upfront about it. Also because they don't have the right experience. So yeah, it's kind of like this. A weird thing on the internet with, that everyone heard already, but no one really knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, you yeah. so always tell people, look into it. Come to one of the shows. Like it's not my show, but I lo- I grew up. This was my university. I started going to these affiliate marketing conferences since I was eighteen. So first sneaking in because I had to go to Las Vegas, and Las Vegas you have to be twenty one. So I sneaking in, and now I speak at them. I I go there. I have developed friendships. And I have many amazing friends because of this. I feel that marketing has a great community, which I don't feel like um, there is such place, a yearly meetup. It's not even yearly. It's like it's every quarter almost like it, where people reunite. Dropshipping doesn't have that. SMMA doesn't have that. All these other. But affiliates, three times a year, four times a year, they meet somewhere, go party at the best clubs. And while doing that, they network, they exchange yeah. information. I think that's beautiful. I've met um, quite a few top affiliates as I've gone around the world. A lot of them are low-key as, yeah. as anything. A lot of them are low-key. You wouldn't yeah. even know. Um, I've met kids that are like 21, running up 10, 10 million a year, and no one knows who they are. They don't want anyone to know who they are. Yeah. They they don't talk about their products, but they're the kindest people, and then they're, the, they're the biggest wizards you'll ever meet, these yes. kids. And, and, there's, and there's not just hundreds of them there's not tens of them there's thousands and thousands and thousands of these people around the world in bali thailand uh, uh, the back streets in, in the us england us. us everywhere like there's it, it, the opportunities are endless quick one for you guys this podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com as many of you are probably aware i set up contentremoval.com in 2017 to help people remove all forms of online content and i've looked after some of the biggest names and brands in the world doing it and I would love to help you if you're struggling. If you're struggling to remove images, videos, search results, fake accounts, or anything online, go to contentremover.com and we'll help you today. What I really want to do with this podcast and what, or what my intention when I started this podcast was to help people break the patterns in their mind of what they think is possible. And I think having people on like yourself really does that. You talked a lot about visualization. Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We've spoken off the podcast about the value of it. Give me an insight into into the visualization aspect and how you've used visualization into everything that you've achieved. I was caught up in a feedback loop where that taught me that if I work hard 15 hours a day, I can actually achieve success. And I just, and I just lived with it with, for a few years. I, I'm young, so that's okay. Like it doesn't, you know, but I started living like, I was really happy. Started having sometimes even panic attacks because I was working so much. And then... One time, I invited my now partner to visit me in London because I used to live in London for like two years. And it was 9 a.m. We were having breakfast and then we started working. And then after an hour, he's like, okay, I'm done. Let's go to the gym. I was like, what do you mean? I have like eight more calls. I have to do a lot of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Because I was doing e-commerce back then, not as much affiliate. And he was mainly doing affiliate marketing. And he was done. I was like fuck, you're making $5,000 a day in profit. I'm here working my ass off 
to make nothing in profit because e-commerce was not really successful for me. I did a lot of revenue, but in terms of profit was very little, if not zero. And I was like, I'm doing something wrong. So by then, with other few experiences I did traveling with him that year, I, I figured that I should perhaps trust that the universe has my back, that it is possible to make money by working less. So as an experiment, I just started visualizing different outcomes in my future, even though I would work less, trusting that it was going to work, even though I didn't have a plan. I knew I was visualized, I would close my eyes and I, I build a vision board. And it's actually crazy to see that so many elements of my vision board became a reality. And I made that vision board in like 2019. I'm talking about screenshots that I edited with inspect element to put the figures that I wanted to achieve, just to put them on my vision board or uh, the relationship with my parents, which I wanted to keep because it's not about achieving things you don't have, but also about keeping the things you have. Visualizing a gift that I wanted to give my mom. I know she wanted a watch and I wanted to buy her that or like a car or whatever it is, skydiving. I didn't know how to skydive back then and I wanted to skydive and meet cool people through it. So a bunch of different things. I had no clue I was gonna do that, but I just, you know, when you visualize things, you're strengthening your connective mapping. So by because by visualization, all that is happening is you have you build um, images in your brain, which then reinforce your synapses, the connection between neurons. So when you're actually out of this visualization state, those ten minutes that you take per day, your brain knows what to work on, and it's almost happening passively. But we're visualizing it regardless. Sometimes it's negative. We visualize oh. If uh, something doesn't want to, something is not going to work out, I'm going to be in deep shit. I'm going to have these problems, blah, blah, blah. So we're doing this already actively. So what I call visual, visualization is just positive thinking and creating a new reality through the feelings that I envision. So by visualizing things, I feel new emotions that shape my mind, that create a new reality. So that's the concept of it, it, it's funny because as you're talking there and talking about this vision board and you talk about, uh, uh, you know, you're putting your bank account on there with edited photos Yeah. Um, on my laptop over there. And I'll show you after this podcast that I've got, I've got that exact same thing. I've even got, I even got to the point um, in granular terms where I, I've got, a, I've got a, a vision board for every area of my life on my, on my laptop over there that I had uh, in 2019. A lot of that came true. Um, in regards yeah. to the watch that I'm wearing, in regards to all this other stuff, in, in regards to all this other stuff that came true in my life, mm -hmm. um, and some of the, what I realized from a vision board, vision boards are so powerful because some of the things that I said that I wanted on there, I want people to understand you, you will you will get everything you target in life and everything you say you want because because we're living in an infinite time. Mm -hmm. Make sure though, I got some things on there that I thought I wanted. But when I got them, I realized, hold on, that wasn't that wasn't the goal. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. That you have to readapt the goal. Basically, so, so, basi so basically, so basically, get 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 clear on not only what you want but why you want it. Mm. Because I think the why is very important. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I think that's something I I've I've failed at in the past. I've hit some goals on that vision board, but I got some lessons. From hitting those goals because some of the goals weren't aligned with, with what I actually truly wanted when I actually went into depth I, w I wanted certain things in life because I thought they were going to bring me happiness when I got there and when I got there I realized there's no happiness in this 
I wanted that for someone else, not for me. So it's, so it's important that you, I think the visualization is powerful. I think it, I know it 100% works. It's worked in my life. It's worked in yours. But I just think it's very important that you ask yourself when you visual, when you try, when you, I'm happy to visualize this penthouse, right? I'm say, but why do you even want a penthouse? Why do you even, why is that the goal? What is it you feel you lack by not having a penthouse right now? Like, is the penthouse the goal or, 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 or would you be happier having this and having something else? I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is for each person. I'm not saying don't go for the penthouse. I'm just saying when you get there, do you, if you've got there and it's cost you some other certain things in your life because you've got there, are you happy with the result of that? Get that. So if you have a clear why behind the visualization, I think the things that you get are not only what you wanted, but they leave you feeling the way that you think you're going to feel because they were aligned with the metrics. Is it essentially, is it something you you? Yeah, that's be... why I think it's so important to be as specific as possible with your visualization process and do it often to experience bunch, like a whole range of things. So yes, okay, you want a lot of money, but how much are you working? Like, are you working twenty four seven? Do you still have time to talk to your mom? Do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? you still hang out with your friends? Do you even have time to work out? So picturing all of those things to be sure that you're going in the right direction, as you say, that is aligned with what makes you happy. So I think that that should be the goal. Like for me, it's like not about having a bad bank account and buy expensive things because I don't really care. It's more like I have the freedom that I want. And if I have the freedom, all doors are open because I'm not enslaved to my business or to anything that is providing all this money so with freedom that was my ultimate goal so to yeah. do you want to work today no okay I, th I, th I think i think freedom is the ultimate goal that we all have but some of us um put freedom to one side and then just start targeting things like money or these other things or a car or a watch or this or that and we start going and targeting these shiny objects Yes, Whereas they are shiny objects. Which, 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 which freedom is the ultimate. Freedom of time, money, space, who you spend your time with, location. Yeah. That's what, that is the goal. Yeah. There is no other goal. Like any other goal that anyone else has is all a shiny object compared to that freedom work. Yeah, I agree. Like also you said spending time with, you know, like freedom who you spend time with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so important. And also that's the beauty of, I think, of going back to a fear because you don't, you don't, you can be freaking alone. My partner... No one knows him. Like, he actually, like, if you're in the field, you might know him. But otherwise, like, he can disappear. I can disappear tomorrow. It's fine. Like, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So you want to pick a business that is gives you that freedom as well. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Like, for example, like, we're doing this publicly right now. Um, if our goal is to have, like, a million subscribers, okay, how, how does that change your life maybe a million is, is okay like you can walk out no one but imagine like do you want to be as famous as will smith yeah, yeah. i don't want to be as famous as will smith like that sounds like a terrible idea you cannot go anywhere well without being harassed well it would be horrible it would be horrible to be as famous as will smith without the money what i'm saying is if you get the fame without the money you've just achieved an, a pointless acquisition in life because you've got all the hassle of being famous mm. but you've got no monetary juice to be able to do what the fuck you want with but if you have attention you can easily make money from that you can if you if you if you partner with the right people but attention without money and then uh, aligning with the wrong people because you've got this attention can also bring you even 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 to the worst yeah yeah so like you got it so attention is 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 a good metric but it's not 
It's not the metric to optimize life for. Like I'll give you an example with this podcast. I want to be number one education podcast in the world. There's no doubt about that. That's that's yeah. that's that's my goal. That's my ultimate goal. Yeah. But on the on the journey to achieving number one educational podcast in the world, which is my goal, which is my drive, which keeps which wakes me up every day, right? Is every conversation I'm in, I want it. I want to be fully present, fully in the moment, enjoying every rep, and that is what I do. And I don't worry about whether the analytics go up, down, sideways. Am I having conversations that I believe add value to the world that I'm enjoying, that I love? And am I moving this audience further towards their goal every day? And no other podcaster, I believe, can say they're doing it with the purpose that I'm doing it with because I feel that on every level of my being. And I think you even noticed it when you turned up today, right? Like how much I fucking love this shit. Yeah. So, so when you when you when you're in that when you're in that groove and you love it the same way that you love what you're doing and and your affiliate marketing and what you're doing when you're in that kind of groove, everything else fucking works itself out, doesn't it? It's gonna it's gonna work itself out one way or another, isn't it? Yeah. Haven't you seen that in your life? Yeah. Well, at the same time, a lot of people want to focus on their passion. I'm like, yeah, sure, but I don't know. Like, my passion was football, and maybe well, I, good enough. Yeah. So, if I continued playing that for passion, I would make, I would have this life right now. Yeah. Like, unless I started earlier, like, I don't know. So, I think it's important to, like, whatever you do, it should have a purpose. So, even if you, like, I never grew up thinking, like, oh, I want to be an affiliate marketer one day. Like, it's not that. Uh, a kid's dream, right? You don't even know what it is. But what I want is living a sick life, like an amazing freaking life. So that was my goal. If affiliate marketing or whatever it is, is um, the vehicle that takes me there, all right, then I do it with a yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah. Then, okay, I'm selling gadgets, I'm selling supplements, I'm I'm bringing people to health insurances. Not so exciting by itself, but if taken in context, that is fucking exciting because that can give you the actual freedom, yep. location, time, space, whatever that you envision for yourself. So yes, that's like I think I, I think that's very important what you're saying because like you know what what does what does what does the podcast do? Well, it allows me to build an audience. It allows me to help people. It allows me to travel. It allows me to be surrounded by the kind of people that I want to have conversations with every day. So it ticks a lot of, lot of boxes for me. And and I honestly believe in my heart that it it will transform thousands of lives on the way. And yeah, I believe that it will um, kick back money down the future paths and all that stuff and all that's taken care of. And I'm pursuing something that's purposeful to me, but fully understand along the way that it has to has to tick certain boxes in order for me to be able to keep the thing rocking and rolling. You know, so I think I think going in with your eyes wide open is the key metric. Who do you visualize talking to in the future? On your podcast, I, I visualize speaking uh, Joe Rogan. I visualize speaking with Elon Musk. I've I, I've I've spoken to people that I visualize speaking with. Uh, I've I've got a friend, hopefully, who I've been friends with for, for years and years. I've looked after her. Hopefully, I can bring her on the podcast. And you know, she's one of the you know in, in her space is one of the biggest people in the world. And if I can bring that visualization to to truth and have the conversation I know that I can have with her on this podcast. If I can bring that to fruition, that is a visualization. Because when I first started in in it, sat there in the spare room and a laptop in frustration, and I started out of frustration because I knew I should have been doing this a long time ago. Um, to see, to know how far I've come from the moment I I recorded that first piece of audio to where I am now, and to know that what's had to go in to get to that level, 
that's a beautiful thing for me. Whether anyone else understands that, I don't know. But like for me, it's like it's it doesn't a beautiful, matter. It's a, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter because it's been purposeful right the way along. Every rep, I've enjoyed every rep. People said to me, "Have what's your favorite podcast, bro?" I've loved every fucking minute of it. I I, lo- I love I love. I love seeing the trailer. I, I'm already thinking about the trailer and the hook for this podcast for what for what you're doing. I already know that some of the little the, the, some of the little one percent sense that you've said are going to change the way people approach their ads. You know, it's going to get people to think about putting affiliate marketing in their business and how they can add another scale of revenue to their to their business that may be struggling or maybe struggling to drive revenue from Google Ads. I don't know, but I just know that when you when you feel that whatever that is for you, that is when you're in true alignment and. That you can start to visualize and start to feel it, but I really do believe in what you're saying that people should start just take ten minutes a day with themselves and kind of say, "Is it I actually want? What do I actually, what do I actually want for my life?" Because I don't, I don't believe people take enough time out. Is that kind of how you started with your visualization? I mean, just walk me through your visualization technique. Yeah, like yeah, actually, we 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 went in another direction, which is amazing. That the what you asked me before is how that helped me achieve what I was doing, and that is, uh, I, I started working less, started visualizing, and then COVID hit, and um, and I, my business was like at first like fucked, like I didn't know how I was gonna be able to like turn things around because like supply chain was blocked, uh, shipping was super expensive, blah blah blah, but then it turned out to be the greatest opportunity ever. And then I had my affiliate marketing business, which also was like kind of like, st- it never really took like uh, the new project, I'm sorry. So the new affiliate marketing project, the, the brand that I was working with was also not performing well. But I flew to Thailand and uh, I knew I was going to get stuck there, but with my friends and partner. Um, and I, I just told myself that my way back, I will fly business. Because back then I didn't really fly business because... I'm still very conservative with money in general. Like I don't like to overspend. Like and and so back then I was like, if I'm gonna do this, is because I reach X amount of money, whatever it is. But that's not gonna be a problem. I'm gonna do it right away. And then I remember just being, uh, I, don't know, I was I was climbing up the rooftop and just under the sun, like closing my eyes, listening to the same guided meditation I still do to the day. And just picturing the feeling of handing the keys of a house to my father, uh, giving my mom a new watch that she wanted, being able to help her because now she works with me, by the way, before she she lost her job. So it was like a bit painful. And um, and like a, a bunch of other different things, the money, going to Dubai, skydiving. Um, I remember skydiving, for example, uh, I always associated with certain videos. And one of those videos were videos with Jay Alvarez, as an example. And I just remember picturing, and I didn't know Jay Alvarez, and I just, and I didn't even scan it, but I just remembered as an example that we, we, we would be at the door of the plane looking at each other and be like, one, two, and jump together. Long story short, we did that. I had actually ended up meeting Jay, as an example, and we traveled the world, we went to Maldives, we went to the Bahamas, he's coming here today. So even that came, it was so specific, it's almost creepy. I even told him, I was like, I don't want to weird you out, but I actually pictured this. <laughs> I, I, I went I went to Amman for three days with Jay Alvarez. We went on, oh. a, we went on a boat trip, like, he's, he's a cool ah, dude. Yeah, um, I remember in uh, June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he's a crazy yeah, guy, yeah. He's, he smashed it in life, he's, he, smashed, he smashed life. Yeah, he had a... 
insane run and now he's hungry I see him going coming back so like not like he ever left but I feel like now is like there is some more energy in what he's doing like rah, like drive that's cool to see so all of these things or visions mainly came true so it's like holy smokes like that's pretty nuts and I did that before but you know you build this confidence you know you achieve First, it's oh, I want to have a hundred likes on a Facebook page. Then a hundred thousand likes on a Facebook page. Then five years later, a hundred thousand dollars in a bank or whatever it is. So you build it up. So it's it's cool to see because you always become better at one percent per day, as you say. So that's like that's the magic. Like something happened to me on Friday. It's been ten years that I've been looking into ayahuasca and DMT and how it affects our brains. And I did a lot of mushrooms like since I'm 17. And I think that changed my whole perspective on life. But ayahuasca and DMT was something that I always had big respect to. And they say that it comes to you. It, so, you get, you, you, I, I can answer that for you. It calls you. You don't call it, it calls you. Mushrooms called you, yes? Yeah, and they called me every now and then. Yeah, and now DMT and ayahuasca has called you. So on Friday, I I went to the gym and I decided and I and I realized that it was calling me and it's been like some time. So I was looking into it. So I'm gonna fly to Costa Rica. There's a place called Sultaro. I found uh, an interview by Jake Paul that was speaking about this experience there. And I was like, some sounds trustworthy. I think I'm gonna go there. I texted two friends, and I said we should go there. I went back home and I actually made, recorded a video around visualization. And then I was invited to join some friends and do a barbecue. And when I arrived there, they offered me mushrooms and DMT. Wow. Yeah. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, after 10 years, I never ever said, I'm ready to do it now. The day I say, I'm ready to do it, I get offered. And they say that it comes to you. And it was an absolute kick. Like, and it was magical just the fact that it could happen. It was there. And then obviously the experience itself, which I'm still processing. So, the 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 I can talk into this because mushrooms changed my life. I I went on a journey with breath work to clear out a lot of trauma from my childhood and, and stuff like that that I had to get over some miscontentions that I had that were limiting what I could what I believed I could achieve in this world. And I knew if I wanted to get to the top level in the podcast game, I knew that had to be cleared out. So I. So, so I kind of faced those demons through breath work and this, that, the other. And then one day, uh, mushrooms started to, people started to talk to me about mushrooms, but I didn't feel the time was right. And then I, one day I just felt called to, to do them. And I, I went on a, um, started off with a two and a half gram journey with, 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 with a, with a shaman. And then I've, I've since been on like over five gram journeys with shamans. Um, so I've been on like three, three or four big journeys and I've learned more and more about myself and about the real world as I've gone on these things. Controlled environment, guided, wouldn't suggest doing anything like that without controlled environment. Just want everyone to be clear about that. Then um, the, 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 the shaman, the guy that guided me through, Lino, um, he said to me that, you know, I was and then you, you, when you've done these things and you realize how much you've got out of your mind, you realize, oh, there's this thing called DMT and there's this thing called ayahuasca and that's the next stages of plant medicines and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And you, you, you kind of want to go. And, and I remember Lino saying to me, Frankie, like, 
mush the same way that mushrooms cause you this this DMT and this and that will call you as well because these are like plant medicines type it's medicine. This, it's medicine. Yeah. This is not drugs. This is medicine, right? Yeah. So I remember um, going going through, and I was and I wasn't feeling called to mushrooms, but then one day I was thinking in my head, oh, I think I'm ready for this DMT. And then I went round my friend's house, and no word of a lie, he said to me, Ah, oh, Frankie, like uh, we've got this DMT, this is five meo DMT, which is like the most purest form of DMT that you can get, which is what you put, what what your um what your pineal gland produces um yeah. when you feel when you when you ascend essentially and obviously i'm nervous but i I did this dmt and again another life-changing breakthrough moment in my life because you can't explain what that looks like i mean i mean if i asked you to explain dmt now you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to articulate it and i'm not going to be able to do it any justice now but it's not it's not just patterns this that the other what you learn about yourself by stepping out of your body in this kind of experience in controlled environments with people guiding you, it's, it's, it's like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. And I was called to do that. What was your experience of DMT like for you? I mean, can you put any words to it? <laughs> it's, um, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And I just, there were people around and I arrived and one guy just took the biggest hit probably. And it was just like, I, from the outside, I just saw this body being stuck and just like almost knocked, got knocked out and was just almost paralyzed and I looked at him and I was like and I wanna I wanna do this <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I wanna do this then I talked to another guy and he just did it as well and he was like oh my god it was so intense like I had so much fear because like I couldn't control it and I felt all this wave hitting me and I didn't know if I was gonna be able to escape it and I was like oh my god this sounds pretty freaking scary so what I did first was just taking just a tiny bit just to dip my toes in the water, basically. And I was like, okay. I lay down, saw some patterns, as you said, felt like I wasn't there for a split second, but then quickly came back. Yeah. So I was like, okay. You didn't go through the pool. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, my friend comes up. She was like, okay, now... Now it's ready for it. Now, now we made the pot. We can. I think you should take this big hit. It's time. I go there, and I have no idea. You can't prepare. Like if you think you can prepare, it's absolute. It's nonsense. You no, can't. Not when you shoot through that portal. No, you. You have. I didn't even know there was a portal. I mean, like, <laughs> like I can't imagine. Like, but I was like, okay. So I sit down, and the she's holding my head. She's talking to. Kind of guiding me a bit. Takes a few deep breaths and I light it up. Take the first hit. Keep it inside. Take the second hit. Keep it inside. Take the third hit. And I think the fourth hit or so, I just remembered the lights of um, the light. I just, no, first I just becoming smaller and then, yes, just like boom. I remember like I just wanted to cough it out. Like I had all this whatever. It was smoke physically, but it felt like completely something else like almost like some toxicity that had to come out and I remember I had this entity in front of me and it was like looking at me I don't know how it looked like it was like a bee or something and it almost welcomed me to this realm and I, I remember all these patterns as you said like like 
HD, like full quality, like changing colors. Like if it was, if it was a music video, it would be a banger. I tell you that. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> and it's just like warm, warm, warm. Yeah. And then did you hear the buzzing sound and then hear nothing? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like I, it was like this. You re- you could really feel the DMT just going through your brain and just like I don't know, like a clearing, clearing off, clearing, creating new neurological pathways that weren't there before. New ways of thinking, new ways of being, new ways of observing potentially. I guess, but it's it's been. I think I I'm still processing. It's yeah. pretty recent. So, yeah. and, and and then I did it a second time, and that's where everything mixed together like there was no reality as we call it um I, re- I just remember my friend she was inviting me to take another hit because I, I you get stuck like i had this pipe and i couldn't move i didn't move yeah and that's when you need to take the one last one that sends you through the portal probably that's what i did because then i just remembered i was going i i didn't exist anymore you know they call it ego death i guess that's it because like maybe i experienced that a bit with mushrooms so i'm more positive but I didn't exist, like, just going through doors, like, light, different things, emotions, then remembering, oh, my God, I think I, I did smoke something, and then just back in it, just getting lost, feeling. And then my friend was just holding me. I was like, here, doing well. And just sometimes, like, oh, she's here. So some sometimes I would feel like an anchor to what we call reality, and then back at it, completely lost. Magical, like... You can't explain it. It just, I did touch some parts at some point when coming down where I would like open my eyes again, remember where I was because it only tests less 10 minutes. And it, I just say, it's, it's, it's five, 10 minutes, you're back in the room. It feels like a lifetime though. So and you can't overdose on it either. Yeah, you can't. I believe you can't. I don't know. I, mushrooms for sure you can't. That's what I know. Well, the MT, I have no idea. We, but it's good to put it out. But, but, <laughs> but, but, but honestly, like when you, when you go, when you go through the um, the door to this alternate reality, and you see how beautiful it is, and how and how small you are in the grand scheme of things, you lose your ego, you lose your doubt, you lose you you, you come back with a new appreciation of self, a new appre- appreciation yes. of others, a new appreciation of the world. Um, it's it's quite. Anyone that says that ayahuasca, DMT, or mushrooms hasn't changed their life, hasn't been taking it in a what I term as a controlled environment for the right reason, they haven't been called to it. I think there's a lot of people that take this stuff recreationally that end up getting themselves a little bit mm-hmm. fucked up on it because you that's not you don't fuck with this stuff. It's don't, not recreational. It's, it's, not, at re- all. it's not recreational. It's 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 a medicine that is to allow you. Um, the personal growth that you need at the time. So I'll give you an example. You will think in your life that you've got X problem that you need to solve and you'll, and, and you'll get called to DMT or mushrooms or ayahuasca and you'll think that you're going in there to solve that. And when you go through any portal or when you go through into these other realms, you'll find out that the problem you, that you were thinking you were going there to sort is not what you need to sort. There's something else that the, yeah. the, the, they t- that, that you're told or that you feel or that, or that is, that is impressed upon you in this realm that is the solution to something that you've never even conceived. And when you come out, it, it, for a week after, you just feel grateful, fully whole, 
like nothing you've ever experienced before. And 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 it just if if you think about anyone that's ever achieved anything, all the top software companies and their CEOs, all these people, they're all microdosing. They're all they're all. The, I, I spoke to the guy that built one of the guys that was the first on MySpace. They were all microdosing back in the days and. A lot of creative people, a lot of top performers are, are microdosing, using mushrooms, using psilocybin, everything to, to get to this next level because there is so much wisdom in this. The wisdom, yes. Wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom is the key word. And, and it allows you to get past your own self into the real wisdom and not the bullshit that you tell yourself. And it, and it, I, on my, even on my first mushroom trip, massive ego death. You know, I realized in the first mushroom trip, why? Why am I trying to compete with other podcasters? Why am I trying to fucking fight everybody? Just be the best. You were a fighter, right? Yeah, well, like you were an actual. Well, fighter. well I, was, I was fighting. I was doing boxing. I was involved yeah. in boxing. I was training top quality fighters. But my whole life was about fight or fly. Everything had to be a fight, you know. Everything I put out had to be a fight. Well, when I went through the first mushroom journey, it was like, hold on a minute, Frankie. You spent your whole life fighting everybody else, fight, wanting to be the best podcaster in this. How about you just be the best version of Frankie Lee and and the rest of it will just work out, mate. Like, you just worry about yourself. Don't worry about fucking fighting this guy over here. He's got nothing to do with you. You just concentrate on you. What I'm trying to get across to everyone who listens to this is that he's like, there is so much lesson. There are so many lessons in life. This is this podcast we thought was about affiliate marketing. It's not turned out to be about affiliate marketing. What it's turned out to be about is about the less, the the biggest lessons in your life are what comes from your visualization what comes from the journey you take internally not from not from you can find any metric to attach to a purpose to make money but it's the it's the internal lessons that give you the most value and i think from your journey that's what we've kind of discovered it's like what what else are you going to do to raise your conceptualization of, of who you are from this point well i do feel the calling to do a proper ayahuasca ceremony i was thinking to go perhaps early next year, just to dive deep. Because in this experience, I realized there is something, some trauma there. Oh, you but, realize that? Yeah, good. Yeah, at the same time, I also realized that I'm doing pretty well mentally. Like there, are, But there are things. So I I touched that, like just a tiny bit. I wasn't in, wasn't in the right environment. It was the right environment for this time. Uh, but not the right environment to like fully go deep in that and completely open up. You didn't feel safe enough in that moment to let go fully in order to open up those chapters. What are some of the things then in your that you feel are holding you back from like fully like you, you said that you said that you felt there's some trauma there. What what do you what what do you feel caused those traumas? Because like we all we've all we've all got these traumas within us. Well, this particular feeling was something maybe deep in myself that. I may or may not know exactly what it is. Um, like I have, I'm very competitive as you. I, like I, I lived pretty chill the last three months, but uh, sorry, last three years uh, because business is going well. But after some time, you want to do something new. And I feel like when I would, when I want to do something new, I kind of have this internal battle going on and there's no need. Maybe I worry too much, more than what I like to admit to myself. Uh, I stress myself more than needed. And I wonder why that is happening. Like, you know, like maybe it's, again, some feedback loop that I have from the past that I bring in the present moment that taught me that by living this way, I can achieve some stuff. But 
that's not the point. Like you can achieve same results in a state of bliss and happiness. No, so I wonder. Like that's why I want to go deeper. Uh, it's Allah. been Allah, yeah, yeah. I, I still I think the last time I did mushrooms was I don't even know more than a year. But last year I did like in two months. I did like five times, six times. Like you're just calling me all the time. I'm talking about hero doses. Once you get the money sorted in your life, and once you've achieved a certain level of what you, but what in your wildest dreams was success when you were a child, once you've achieved that, there's nowhere left to hide in terms of you have to face all the internal stuff as a man. So that's what I've found. When you think. So, 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 so you've so that's you don't so, so for argument's sake I felt a lack of love as a child that I've had to overcome in, in, in my adult life which which affected all my relationships with girlfriends and all this other stuff and it was a whole plethora of things that came from my childhood I didn't have to get over I, I'd used that to a certain point to drive me towards my ideal life and to money and to everything else and to business and all that stuff I'd used that to drive um, yeah. through boxing as well to achieve world title level as a trainer all that stuff was driven by that lack of love that I felt as a child however I found once I had made the money that I needed to like pay my mortgage off to put money in the bank mm-hmm. to buy these different assets that I have to free myself from the quote unquote matrix that's when I had to address that dark wound because now I'm like well can't really push me to the top in podcasting because it hasn't got enough juice in it anymore to do that so it has to be addressed this darkness is coming to the surface now because it's never been addressed so it darkness drives you to certain points once i once i i'm telling everyone who listens to this once you've once you sort the money out as a man or as a woman you have to deal with all the traumas like or you have or you will have to face your dark what you believe is your darkest one We'll figure out that. I think. I think what you've found in your life from listening to you is that you've you've sorted all your money. You've got the cars. You've got the watches. You got beautiful women around you. All this sort of stuff. You're living in Dubai. You're living a fucking fantastic life. You made the. You know. You've gone from you know tens of millions a year. Now you're now you're like fuck me. Now everything that drove you to that level. Now you're having to face that. That's what you're going to face next, and that's why you're being called. Uh, to be honest, if uh, in my experience, I faced them on the way, like. Did you though? Did or did you face? Did you face parts of it on the way? Because I, 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 I think I, I it's if, like I imagine myself, uh, like I, I see other people how they live, how they achieve their successes, and I just feel like I'm perhaps slower, but I feel like I'm a growing tree that you see as much on, on the outside, over the surface as under the surface. That's how I picture it. So I feel like I'm equally growing, slow and steady. Because I want to focus on all the category of life and not just maximize one part of yeah. my life, which is yeah. business, for example, yeah. and ignore all the rest. Like I feel like I always had like enough common sense not to really ignore the other parts. And I see other people do the complete opposite. Maybe they maximize one out and then after they start working on the other things. So they use trauma. Trauma can be your superpower, but it can also be your biggest enemy after some time. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't have cured it earlier or like go into it or because I had my traumatic experience. Why did I start making money so early on? We didn't speak about that, but it comes a lot from having pressure that my mom didn't have enough money 
or so I, uh, that's ex- or at least that's how I saw it when when growing up because my parents divorced, my mom didn't have a job, and the common topic at the dinner table with my mom was I applied to this job, got rejected, uh, I don't have enough money for this, blah blah blah, and then knowing that my dad had a job, it was also like okay he's good, but what about my mom? And at this, and all these fights around money in the family that are oh, like divorce, this divorce took like a and fucking years. So it was one of the longest divorces in history, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. So I was like, if I can make money for myself, great. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I will ha- I'm, I'm not a weight to my mom. And if she needs me, I'm there. So making like $3,000 a month when I was 15, 16, that was like big success from that perspective. I didn't buy anything. Yes, maybe I did buy, um, I remember buying a PlayStation, a TV, which cost $250. Ronaldo jerseys every year, which is $70. But other than that, I would say I would buy my own clothes and buy food, whatever. But all the money was just saved. And to the day, I don't spend as much. Like I recently bought something expensive, but that feels almost something I should give back at some point. Are you talking about the Ferrari? I'm talking about the Ferrari, yes. Uh, but I usually don't, I mean, I don't. Why do you, why do you think you bought the Ferrari? I made a list of, 30, 40 points, what, because you talked about being in competition with the world. I like to have the competition with myself, so I imagined what would be a better version of Alex look like. So I made different points. Let's say visualization, the same thing. One of them was he drives a supercar. I don't know why, I just visualized it. Maybe, I mean, it's not like I feel much different about it. Although the perception, for example, I told my dad that I did that, he started crying. When I told him that I made X amount of money or that I did this and that, he was proud. He was super happy for me. Like, But the Ferrari just fucking clicked differently. I don't know why. So from the outside, I guess it would benefit my guru career. That's it. I can make ads now and uh, tell people that they can live like me if they buy my course. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I made the this. Actually, yeah, the, the song. I made the song uh, with um, before me. I made this joke about buying a Ferrari. Like... Uh, does uh, so they can sell their courses like there was yeah. no thing about it but i'm sure you've actually bought it not 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 like higher purchasing it yeah that was the mistake at the end of the video because i had to rent it like a real guru but i actually bought it and that song that i made was actually i said it was thanks to you because you introduced me to Jess Purple. Shout out to Jess Purple. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. I, I, yes. I, I forgot about this. Yes. So music is one of my vocations. Like on my vision board right now, there is Macklemore, which represents me standing in front of 50,000 people in Paris and everyone is just like fucking jumping and having a party. That's something that I really want to do because I really want to... I, I didn't even click. You told me uh, before the podcast you had something to tell me that was going to shock me on the podcast and, and, and that's it. Yeah, because, you did it. Yeah, because yeah. I because I connected you with my friend Jazz who's a who's a phenomenal musician that's written for some he's of the... Good. He's He's written for some of the biggest artists in, in the UK. Um, and Trey Songs, I think. Trey Songs, Labyrinth and, and, and all these kind of all these kind of quality artists and he's my mate. He lives out here. He, he lives a party boy lifestyle. Me and him... Um, a friend, uh, are good friends, and 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 I, I think he's smashing life. I couldn't live the life that he lives, and I he he invites me all the time to like his five palm nights, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't I can't be surrounded Same. I can't be surrounded by that, those no. slotty honors. But 
but I respect everything he's doing. And I remember connecting you by the DM because you said you wanted to do some yeah, form of on music. My Instagram music. Story. Yeah, I am looking for something. And then that's when you produce this song. And uh, basically, the song, the song, the prevalence. Well, I'll try and link it under here if I remember to do it. But uh, if not, go on YouTube. But it, it, uh, Alex has written a song about these fake gurus that sell you these courses predicated on all this other shit to show you guys essentially the red flags out there yeah. of what of 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 what you're doing and and yeah mate that's that's a full circle moment for me i'm i'm glad because like obviously like you've got um educational stuff that you sell i i, I want people to to make money out of what you've told them to do on this podcast and then go on and use that money to to if you want to learn more but actually go and execute before they do that but i think it i think it's is is it's very like if you were going to give people a, a, a some of the red flags then from your opinion from being in this industry that they should avoid to avoid buying a course from someone who's talking shit what would it be i think people should pay attention to how they behave because a lot of you can tell if someone is lying by their behavior uh, it's hard to understand as an outsider if what they say is legit or not but you can like especially if you don't have the knowledge uh, in the industry you can't easily spot it if i hear someone speaking about marketing and ask him a few questions. I can have a feeling if he's 100% legit or not. And that will, I would base my decision off that if I'm going to work with that person or buy his course. I don't I don't really buy courses, but you know what I'm saying? Like I, I can understand if there is some value or not. But as an outsider, if you see someone that has the need to show every little thing that he does or showing all the luxury and all of that, like in a excessive way, I think that's one of the first red flags. You could be a flashy guy, you know, that's not really my style. Like if, uh, like I think I like people that are more low key. Like, yeah, maybe I bought a few watches, but I don't really wear them. One one got even stolen. Maybe that's giving me some PTSD, so I don't really wear anything. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like if someone is really like constantly showing blah, 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 that's, that's for me a big red flag. I think, also, if you want to learn from someone, I would pick someone that matches your lifestyle. So maybe that's it. Maybe you want to have the Lambos, the girls, and talk about it and be very arrogant about it. Maybe that's your style. I know people that like genuinely like that and are making good results. But if you don't want to be like that, maybe you could learn from someone that is a bit different. Maybe there's more low-key, but when he speaks, is more like feels genuine. It has results maybe you could check his real authority not his own claims or some articles but maybe feedbacks from other people that are respected in industry so how develop some kind of discernment a, sorry Dis, the words discernment discern and mm. use use um you can discern a lot by trusting your own gut a lot of people are not trusting their own yeah feel in a in a feeling i think also yeah i think yeah i think I mean, I mean, look, I've asked you to to list the points because I wanted you to list them so that people could could adopt them. But essentially, I think you all should know your own selves. Uh, I just want you to trust your own gut instincts on stuff. Yeah. You you know the podcasters out there that are selling you products that are just putting you in a funnel, and you know the podcasters out there that are generally trying to help you move forward. And there's and and it's and it's to me as a bull geezer trying to podcast i can see it and it's obvious to me if it's not obvious to you lot then i don't know what you're watching but um if people 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 show their true colors over a long amount of time so before you buy anything i encourage every single one of you to do your adequate due diligence into the person and whether the person has brought you value 
I think you can't buy anything off someone that hasn't bought you value. And, you know, I would take what Alex has said about earlier on this podcast about affiliate marketing. I'd implement it. I would try and try and scale something, maybe maybe get your first 50 to $100 a day. I think once you've done that, you've proven a process, you've got some you've got some win, you've got some money, use that money and then invest in the knowledge from there. Um, yeah, maybe you don't even need to buy a course at the beginning. Yeah. Because a lot of courses are like super pricey. And yeah. I remember people paying thousands of dollars in courses and I'm like, wow, if I would just take that money and invest it in ads myself, I would learn way more than buying a course. Because if, you're, if a course costs, I don't know, $1,500. Yeah, that money. Yeah, then you need more money to invest or like do other things. So it's like, wow. Maybe you could sure some guidance. I, I'm I'm the type of person that just I rather pick an apple and give it a bite instead of and and seeing how it tastes instead of like learning buying a book about the taste of an apple. That makes sense. Yeah. I just rather go into it like bam and learn from that. Learning by doing. Well, you, my well, approach. well by spending one thousand five hundred on ads rather than the course, you're gonna learn a hell of a lot more faster. It's a faster feedback loop, and when you're risking your own money. In a practical way like that, I guarantee you between that first dollar spent and the $1,500 spent, you're going to learn something. You're going to have iterated something on your ads and you yeah. can't learn that by not practicing. So so you need to practice in the physical reality and stop trying to procrastinate by buying courses to feel like you're moving forward, essentially. Yeah. Not Look, just the ads, but also the confidence yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're developing by... Yeah. I think just having the confidence into backup to say like okay I'm going to spend $1,500 in ads and I'm willing to lose $1,500 in ads because I know that the lessons I learn between the first dollar and the $1,500 is worth me learning Yeah, and I think if you say that to yourself and then you commit to doing that and you don't judge yourself one way or the other I think that's where all the lessons in, in your life will come from and, and that will change your life on, when it comes to online revenue just learn how to run ads you'll make money forever like a simple, simple, simple way, or in general, just putting yourself on the line and risking, like it's very risky. A lot of people that start this business never had a business, never, yeah, never spend their money on ads. Like maybe they used to spend money to buy something and food, clothes, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. and see it and keep it. But this is very different because it's scary as hell to invest your own money. But this money that you're investing is investing in the future self that you vision yourself to be. That should be freaking clear at the beginning. That's yeah, why you should yeah, know yeah. why you're starting. Because if you're wise and strong, you know, just like, I want to give it a try, watch a few lessons or whatever, or just launch three ads and they're all, oh, it didn't work for me. Yep. Well, then the why wasn't strong. Like, I, what I did when I started this pro, like when I was 18, I sat down knowing nothing about the technical aspect, didn't make a single ad, but I told to myself that I'm going to sit on this chair. Literally, and also practically, but I'm going to sit here until I make it. And this was an invisible contract to myself. And because I knew there was no other way around it, it could take one month, take six months, could take a year, whatever. But I'm, I'm not going to give up because I know that this industry produces money, can give you the lifestyle. I don't want to be a banker and sit, I don't know, yeah. and, and do boring things. I wanted to do this because I know that if one campaign starts flying, I can literally chill and or slash do some minor work to maintain that performance and slowly test other products as well and do whatever I want because I'm in my 20s. I don't want to live in a cubicle, be stuck at home or just work, work, work without getting to enjoy my life. 
But that that was my my idea. Yeah, and you could, and when you got a burning desire like that, you can move mountains. If if you were going to give people one piece of golden advice to leave this podcast with, one piece that you believe is move everyone in this audience that one percent forward from today, and you can't leave anything else for the world, what would it be? Don't worry about the timing of when you're gonna get those results, because looking back, it always comes your way, one way or the other. So the best thing you can do is just to put in the work every single day or as much as you can, whatever it is, but just don't worry, it will come your way if you stick to it. And if you want to do affiliate marketing or whatever it is, just do the work you're avoiding and that's probably the one thing you should be doing most. Even if it's the most simple and easy thing, maybe that's it. And yeah, don't worry, that's I think the big thing, also the takeaway of my recent experience, let's say, it's I like that. Time, time doesn't exist. Yes, yeah, you know. You realize, bro. You realize. Yeah. I hope everyone in this podcast one day gets to see what we've potentially seen and be able to conceptualize and verbalize what they've seen. I think it's really hard, though. But mate, I think. Um, I mean, we've gone all over the over the shop as I normally do with these podcasts because they're real; they're not scripted. Um, but. Like I, I, I generally believe, guys, if you watch this twice, you, you, you'll get so much value out of this into how to discern, how to pick what you choose to pursue, you know, the wisdom on the mushrooms and the DMT, and you've got the, the actionable insights on the affiliate marketing and how you can scale these ads as well. And all that is in here. Listen back to it twice. I appreciate every single one of you doing, mate, and I appreciate you for coming on here, bro. And uh, guys, do me a solid favor. Like and subscribe on all the platforms. Share this with your friends. I appreciate every single one of you listening. And I think I'm probably about 170 reps in by now, but I fucking still love it every single day. It still lights me up on every single uh, way. So much love. Let's go. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next. (laughs) 